My wife agreed um, to let me lead worship every fourth Sunday. <laughs> so, you know, she has to help get the kids all ready kind of without me. I, I feed them and then I come here early to set up. So it's a, a big sacrifice for her. So if she's agreed to that, like, <laughs> I'm going to take advantage. And then, you know, I always love to preach. Um, I always feel like the Lord's got, you know, speaking to me. So when I get an opportunity, I want to take that too. <laughs> Sorry if it's too much of me. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully it's Jesus. <laughs> um, got some notes here. Man, I really felt the presence of the Lord this morning. <laughs> you know, I don't, you don't. <clears throat> I just love Jesus. And whether I feel him or not, I just love him. Like, right? We just love him. We love him because he is amazing and he loves us perfectly. And um, <clears throat> we just want to love him back with the same love he's given us. But, you know, there are those times when we feel him. And it's really nice. Um, and uh, honestly, I've felt him 100% every time. I've worshipped, you know, been, been here worshiping every time. And, um, you know, different, for different people, I've been reading this book. And this is a huge aside. And I'm going to try to stay on, foot, on topic here. But I've been reading this book called Glory by Ruth Heflin. I don't know if you've read it, Travis. Oh, no idea. My dad got it for me. You know, if my dad gets me a book, I'm like, okay, it's pretty probably really good. Because he, this is not his style typically. He's like, I read this. This was good. Um, and uh, it's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, just, and you know, the whole premise is um, we thank him and we praise him until the spirit of worship comes of worship, until the glory comes, and then we just stay in the glory as long as we can. And I keep getting stuck in the glory. I don't know how to, you know, like I want to live stuck. We want to live stuck in the glory because I don't know how it works. But like in the glory, which I call the manifest, you know, she would define as the manifest presence of God. Um, that's it's just like we do things that we're not even like processing first, you know, and um, and it's usually really powerful. And people really feel it when like I say like, "Hey, man, God loves you." At the restaurant, and I'm in the glory, they usually stop, and I've seen people tear up, and I'm like, "There wasn't, you know, any earth shattering word here," but it like. In the glory, I don't know what it is. It hits them, <clears throat> and so, anyways, um, thankful for his manifest presence, and um, you know he wants us to live live there. That's where he's taking us. But you know, there's a journey of training us, teaching us, correcting us, <laughs> getting us on point and, and truth, uh, grounded in truth and who we are, um, and walking it out. So I'm going to start with scripture here. I was not on my list of things to read. John 13, 33 and 34. Sorry, 34 and 35. Okay, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will all men know that we are his disciples if we have love one to another. It's interesting, he says it twice. Love one another. A new commandment I give you, 
Love one another, love one another. Jesus repeats himself, you know, he's usually emphasizing the importance, right? By this will all men know, will all know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Um, I'm just, I'm so thankful for like all the movements of the spirit and the church through the like last, I mean, two for 2000 years, there was, you know, the early church and it was a beautiful and amazing, you know, really the persecuted church. Um, And then, you know, there was this season of um, darkness and then there's been an awakening starting, you know, it was, there was always like a thread of people who knew the Lord, (laughs) but there was a real awakening, you know, with, Martin Luther and, um, you know, what they call the Reformation, which, you know, is still going on, right? <laughs> or not camped out, but we, there's a tendency to camp out in these places. And so there's been, you know, the Reformation and Martin Luther and this like awakening to the forgiveness of God. Wow. And we're innocent by faith and not through like striving and struggling and doing work on our own strength. There's been that movement and that's brought some, you know, measure of truth um, in part. You know, there's still, still a lot of a mixture among some reformed along the lines of, you know, that would say like, I'm a sinner still, but I'm saved by grace. Like justification is something way out there. Um, it's not necessarily here. It's like some legal transaction, something that I'll get when I cross over and die but the real you know so anyways then there's different moves of the spirit there was you know the methodists um and really bringing an emphasis on walking it out so like okay we're innocent by faith what do we do now now that we're innocent there's like emphasis on walking it out um and then and then um you know there's been an emphasis of the the need for the holy spirit and baptism the holy spirit um through zuzu street uh you know, and then there's been um, the the charismatic movement. There's been um, healing uh, movement back in the '60s. There's been a prophetic movement. You know, kind of maybe still going on today. And I feel like probably you know maybe one of the strongest movements of the spirit right now. And the things he's emphasizing is identity. Um, you know, really in the last ten years. Um, just, you know, hitting all kinds of people. I've not really even heard a message on identity when the Holy Spirit um, encountered me with the most powerful character I've ever had, you know, 15 years ago um, and said, this is where, you know, you need to camp out. And I was, um, yeah, set free into a place of rest that I've been living in for, you know, 15 years um, in peace. And so, um, and all those things are beautiful, but there's like this verse that I'm, that I feel like the Holy Spirit is really highlighting to me and to so many others. And this is where the Lord is taking us. And I think a lot of the things that we've experienced in a way have been benefits. They've been like truths that have benefited us and helped us like kind of understand God's good. And like, okay, he does love us and have some measure of like, Assurance of his love. Um, but I believe that like with the emphasis of identity um, and and really kind of stepping into who we are, he's he's beginning, he's going to emphasize we begin to walk this thing out. And as we walk this thing out, that's what's gonna bring it full circle 
um, and we really start to experience all the things that he's been restoring, but it will be rooted and grounded in love. It'll be centered on love and what is really attractive because right now, you know, I don't think the church is really known for love. Like we're known for being really right or wrong. We may be known for, you know, trying to get miracles or believing in a supernatural God these days. Um, maybe not, you know. Um, so anyways, uh, I'll keep, you know, moving on here. Um, and so when we talk about identity, um, I'm not going to go into it much because I know we've, we've touched on it a lot here. But, um, you know, there's, there's still much, so much to awake to identity. There's so much to awake of, you know, the fact that we've been um, united with Christ. We've been uh, co-crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected co-seated with him in heavenly places. We're spiritual beings and we are as one with God as we'll ever be in the spirit. There is this perfect union, Father, Son, and Spirit and us in the center um, with him. And, and then the core of this identity is love. But the core component of this sonship, what it means is love. I think there's... Um, and so I really, I'm really hearing in my heart, it's time to walk in love. It's time to um, take all these things that the Lord has given us in this generation. And maybe we are the generation or the next generation, but the, he's coming back for a pure spotless bride. And it is going to be one that looks like love, radical love. And um, the church is going to be known for love. And discipleship again will be simply like we're just learning, we're just learning how to love. At the core of the day, and the motivation and the pure, the like this singular motivation for everything we do is going to be love. Again, um, you know, there's so many motivations and reasons why um, we we do things. Uh, you know, sometimes. Clients ask me, "Why do you get? Why'd you get? How'd you get into landscape architecture? <laughs> why do you do what you do?" And that's usually because I have a family <laughs> and I need to make money. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> it's not well, love. <laughs> this is how love wants to express itself through me. <laughs> this is what love chose. So there's many motivations. So many reasons America's, um, you know, loves money, no doubt. It's the root of all, all kinds of evil, right? And America loves money. And um, that's a big motivation. I see it in ev almost every stinking decision at work. It's amazing. It's sickening sometimes. <laughs> um, even sometimes, like, you know, going to conferences on a great leadership at all like at all like the bow is tied with like you be a great leader and you can make more money bing and your company can be successful everybody be happy and happy workers make better products and you sell more and so that's a big one um another one in america is comfort and convenience oh my gosh i find myself saying it sometimes it's so not pretty i just don't have time and I can't do that. It's a long drive. It's too early. 
It's amazing. Um, some people, I'm just shocked. It's like every, their whole reasoning sometimes seems to be convenience and comfort. I don't know if they know it, but it's like, wow. Um, I feel a bit of a slave to it. I kind of want to get free from it. So comfort and convenience can be a motivation. Um, the praise of man, definitely a big motivator uh, among some people. Like money's really nice to make on the side, but like competing against other people in the business world and beating them. That's a big one um, in the ministry. It's <laughs> probably a lot more competition than we would want to admit, right? Um, and so, you know, that's a big one. And, and like I said, the praise of man is a big one. I, um, you know, I, and so we all have motivators. And the thing is, it's, we don't always know why, like we're doing what we're doing. Like even can start really good reasons. Like I'm trying to love my wife. I'm trying to take care of, my kids and provide and go get a job. And then, um, you know, it starts for love, but somewhere, sometimes it can turn in like, dang it, why can't my workers just work a little better? <laughs> so I can go home early <laughs> and I can do these other really good things that I need to be doing. Um, so there's a lot of motivation. So I want to read this. Everybody knows it, but it's just like, Man, it's a good reminder every time. First Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I would love to be a better public speaker. <laughs> I'm amazed by some people, just their ability to speak and like influence people and inspire people and I'll get inspired by them, you know. Without love. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and have all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. This one gets me. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the, the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. It's like, man, I'm not in the place to give all my goods to the poor. <laughs> um, and to give my body, like who could do that and not have love? I don't know. Yeah, it's a sobering, and so, you know, I've been thinking about this as a very sobering reality. <laughs> Maybe there's a lot of things we've done and are doing that are coming from love, and at the end of the day, really, they won't stand and they won't, they won't mean a lot. And they could really be influential and impact people. But it doesn't come to our credit and it doesn't benefit us. You know, I remember saying something not in love to somebody once. <laughs> It was true. I was a little frustrated at the time. It radically changed their life. And I said, Lord, how? <laughs> you know, like, man, they thank me all the time. Changed my life, what you said to me. I can't, I needed that so bad. And I'm always so humbled. I'm like, it didn't come from love at the moment. I said, how did that work, God? Because this guy was humble enough to bring it to the Lord and say, is this true? And I, said, and I confirmed it. Yep, it's true. <laughs> and it changed his life. 
but it doesn't go to my credit. <laughs> and so, um, you know, what is seeking first the kingdom if it isn't like love first? What is walking in righteousness? You know, I love to confess. I never get tired of reading that verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness of God. Wow, I am the righteousness of God. Ah, oh, that feels good. What a relief. <laughs> but what does it look to walk like to walk it out? What does that word even mean, righteousness? Well, yeah, I'm right standing with God, but what does it look like to walk that out if it's not love? What is walking in the spirit if it isn't walking in love? Um, yeah, a friend of mine, like he's such an evangelist. I don't know if you guys have like these, like I love to talk to people about Jesus. Um, but he like embarrasses me. <laughs> he will like yell and scream and like, <laughs> he's just wild for Jesus, but he's always wrestling with like, man, I just don't know how to walk in the spirit. I don't know how to walk in the spirit. I don't know how to walk in the spirit. We actually on the phone the other day, I was like, what if it was just walking in love? And he was like, dang, that is it. <laughs> I never, I mean, he was always saying this. I just kind of listened to him and, but, um, okay, I've got a few verses here. I think you're really beautiful. And then I'm gonna talk a little more story. And then a couple more verses. No need to bring this home. First John 2.10. He that loves his brother abides in the light and there is no occasion for stumbling in him. Does anybody else have like a different translation? Look at the old King James here that they could read. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Doesn't cause others to stumble. Yeah, I, I, so I've just been reading this verse and I'm just blown away. Like I am blown away. There is a place where you don't fall. There is a place where you can live in assurance. Like I'm not gonna fall. This is gonna work. And there's a place of light, like walking in the light when we love our brothers and sisters. We can't fall and we don't, other people don't fall. <laughs> we don't cause other people to fall. It's definitely important to me in trying to figure out how to raise some kids. All right, First John 4. Verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. For love is of God. Everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. 
Okay, verse 16, chapter 4. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. He that abides in love abides in God and God in him. I think for me, it's just like simplifying what it looks like (laughs) to abide in God, to stay in God, to be close to God, to know God. Um, You know, at times that can get very mysterious when we think about this (laughs) creator of the universe and like knowing God, it's overwhelming. Um, When I think of the mystery of Christ and God infused in humanity through his son and the union um, of, of incarnate, the incarnation and all the beauty of that truth. It's still like, wow, it's overwhelming. And how does this all play out? And I think of like his, his power, his ability, his miracles, his, the, the way that he thinks that um, he can just be a real mystery. It can be a mystery to me, a beautiful, wonderful mystery. And sometimes I can come and I'm worshiping. I'm like, I don't know you, Lord. Like you are a... Who are you? And yet, you know, even a little kid can get love, like understand. All right, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment and he that fears is not made perfect in love. I, I believe it's impossible to be walking in love and be afraid at the same time. That's how I read this verse. So, you know, anxiety or whatever, it's an indicator, man. Like, I can tend to think sometimes like, man, I'm anxious because this problem here. You know, lack of money, lack of something. Not necessarily like I've stepped out of walking in love. All right, I'm going to tell my story a little bit. I was really just, and for me, it's really been in the last three months that I've been, I feel like it's all come back very simple. Like I've been groaning and crying like, Lord, I want to walk this out, but what is it? (laughs) And, um, there was a season there where I just was, was felt like the Lord, this grace was upon me to fast, to wait on him. Like, what do you desire? The question in my heart was like, what do you desire? I have to know. And I've had some promises of, of um, you know, being baptized in the spirit, like uh, the apostles in the upper room. It's been, you know, every time I'm like, okay, I'm moving on, Lord. I'm changing directions. I'm going somewhere else. And, He's, uh, you know, given me encounters or a friend, somebody call me and it's really been supernatural. Like, hang in there, son, believe, like, wait on me. You are going to be empowered to go to the nations like I promised you. And I'm like, okay, I'm waiting. But like, (laughs) um, so I know that's his desire, his desire for all of us. You know, John came to baptize in water, but he came to baptize in the Holy Ghost and fire. He loves us. 
This union is not just in our spirits. It's meant to express itself through our souls and our bodies completely. Christ walking through us, living through us, the spirit burning through us and loving through us. Um, exactly, looking exactly like Jesus when he walked on this earth. And um, so, you know, I've been, I was hungry and I just kept hearing, like, I would, I don't know if I was looking for an experience or what, but I was like, what do you desire? And I would just be in his glory, just so still, just waiting, like, this is really good. I'm going to hear something and then just be like, love. <laughs> okay. And I'd wait and wait again. What do you desire, Lord? Love. I know. I don't know how to do that. What does that look like, Lord? I need to know more. I need to know. I need to know your heart. What do you desire? Love. Love. Um, and so, as I was waiting on the Lord, I felt like one, one day he just convicted me. And he said, um, Son, you have been uh, seeking me to experience me. So you have something to give to other people so their lives can be transformed. But I want you to just seek me because of who I am. Just seek me for me. Does that make sense? Like there's so many benefits in the gospel. Like, oh my gosh, there's just an overwhelming and actually we're commanded not to forget them. Psalm 103, forget not all his benefits. We are commanded to think about them because that infuses us with thanksgiving and blessing and praise like all the time. Like, thank you for forgiving my sins, healing me of all my diseases, um, for giving us this identity. Um, but we can get off when we seek him for the benefits instead of I'm here to, because you are amazing and you're my daddy and I want to love you and I need, like, how do I love you? How do I relate to you, Jesus? You're, you know, what convicts me sometimes is that when I take communion, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, this is, you hung on that tree, you bled for me. And I know like what I think about sometimes. Being comfortable, convenience, being a little stressed out about work. Like I want to bring you some bread and some wine that really means something. I want to give you some love, some sack, some, some like costly love. You know what I mean? It's like we all know how beautiful costly love is. When somebody gives you something or does something and you're like, you know it cost them, it's so beautiful. It's like, and Jesus, like the most costly love. I'm like, I feel all this love for you, Lord, but I want to give you some costly love. Like, I don't want to just feel love. So, yeah, I've just been in that place of like, Lord, I, I want to know you. I want to just, I want to know how to love. How do I love if this is what you're about? And I thank you for all the benefits. Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added. I thank you for the benefits, but I don't know how to seek first the kingdom. And I want to completely. 
how do I walk in love? How do I walk in love? How do I love these people that I work with who, you know, don't know you and are not interested? Um, so my story, I said, I said I was going to tell you a little of my story. So, um, you know, when I first encountered the Lord, it was, um, he told me to surrender all. I was sharing the gospel with lots of people and praying for lots of people to come to know him. But I also had, you know, a lot of junk to come out of, did not know my identity and slipped back into just fear, panic, um, panic attacks and the stuff that was plaguing me before I met the Lord. And I just didn't know how to get out of the, that fear, the panic attacks. I didn't know how to get out of depression, didn't know how to get outside of myself. And so um, I just slowly retreated from following the Lord to then like not talking to him at all to then just like disappearing and being really bitter about God, couldn't hear him. Um, and, uh, you know, um, really wanted to, but was just numb in, inside. And so um, God miraculously spoke to me and I got married and now, um, and I knew it was the Lord. It's like, I haven't heard you in many years, but I know this is the Lord. Now I need to find God. Now I need to get this sorted out. I've got, I need God. Like, this is really important for me. If I'm going to be married and we're going to have kids and have a family, I need to know God. Like, I can't live like this in fear. I need God to deliver me. I need him to set me free. I need to... Um, you know, be a whole person, walk in power, you know, be an example. And so it took me a lot of courage to like go to church, which was really hard, but I try. We went like once a month. And then um, it was even more courage for me to like try and pray. And um, the way it was, was set up, we were living in this apartment and there was like a relatively large walk-in closet. And I'm like, this is perfect. I got a closet, you know, I can go in there and I can read my Bible and I can pray. And I would go in and try like for 30 minutes, like it was the most painful thing. I mean, all this fear would come up. I would just feel so oppressed and I would leave and I would like, I can't do that for a while. <laughs> just too much garden, too much baggage in my life. Um, too many painful events that had happened and I couldn't get past them. And so I'd wait, you know, a couple months and I would go back into my prayer room again and try to read the Bible and just felt so condemned, so convicted, not convicted by God, condemned by the devil and all that stuff. And I would go, you know, would quit. And I was really discouraged. I'm like, this is never going to work. Like, I know what it takes, you know, I thought, I know what it takes to see deliverance happen and people set free. I read some testimonies. You really got to be focused. You really got to like commit to seeking God. You got to fast. Like I could not fast to save my life. I couldn't skip a meal. <laughs> and I can't do any of this. I can't pray for 30 minutes. I can't read my Bible and I can't fast and I can't go to church. Like I'm never going to get deliverance. That's how where I was. And by God's grace, I went into the prayer closet again and I was like, God, you know, help me, help, help. And I heard a whisper in my heart, leave the prayer room and go learn how to love your wife. And I was like, is that God? 
leave the prayer room? How am I going to get deliverance? How am I going to get free? How am I going to be an example? And that's like, I only come here like once every two weeks like, and to leave. And so I tried and I literally thought to myself like, man, this is easier. Like, this is easy. I would prefer this. Like, I'm in such a bad place. And I'm thinking, God, this is better. And so I went out and I was like, okay, how do I love my life? I mean, I kind of know, like we do things that are fun together, but it's like, how do I really love her? And it just felt like all of a sudden I'd get these ideas like, man, I should wash the dishes like every night, like every time. And I'd start doing that and I noticed like life's a little bit happier. (laughs) And then just other ideas started coming to me and I'm like, I started following them and I started finding this was like, this is fun. Um, And so (laughs) I was feeling better about myself and I went to the prayer closet again. I'm like, all right, I'm getting better. I'm doing this. And I went to the prayer closet again and like all of a sudden all this fear, anxiety, you know, condemnations coming back and there I hear the voice again like what are you doing I'm seeking you because I need help I need deliverance I am messed up and he's like nope leave go learn how to love so I went back out and I remember you know this is when I started to learn to hear the Holy Spirit's voice I just couldn't before I was like okay how do I love in that that moment he's like go buy our flowers and I'm like okay I have, yeah, I have not done that in a really long time. Um, and so I went and bought her flowers. I came home after work and I had these flowers and she like started just crying, weeping. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I was repenting for being angry at you because you never buy me flowers. And I told the Lord, I'm sorry, I'm not going to control them. I give it up. <laughs> you know, and I was like, she's like, that was a big thing for me. And so um, that the Lord just kept com- confirming and I just kept loving and all of a sudden like fear, anxiety would come in my life. And my response was like, I need to love. I need to love. Like I need to love that person. I need to love my wife mainly. <laughs> it's so, the Lord's so good. He starts just where we, where we are. Like it's like, it's easier to love somebody who loves us back. We'll graduate. We'll go further into loving people who don't love us back. And he's brought me there, you know, and it's awesome. But I started and I learned, um, yeah, I learned freedom when fear would come, anxiety would come, panic attacks. Holy Spirit, help me love, help me love. I don't know how to do this, help me love. And ideas would come, I would start doing stuff and learned freedom. And then I had, it was like crazy at work, family things were going on. A lot of these triggers all hit me at once. I was having a massive panic attack. I wasn't sleeping, you know, I'm trying to love. And I'm like, man, this was working and now it's not working right here. And this was my big deliverance. I was, I remember taking a shower and, you know, I've been hallucinating. All kinds of trash was attacking me, demonic stuff. Like it was so bad. And I'm like, you know, I was taking a shower and I remember saying, Lord, <laughs> it was a Holy Ghost prayer. It was like, not for me, but for my wife and others, I will never quit. I just said, I will never quit. And I will always come back to love. I will. And in my own heart, I just saw like this door open. I no big, no experience, no big encounter, no feelings. I just saw this door open, light came in and a knowing came over me. Whenever fears come in the, for the rest of my life, it's like, you're so small, fear. This thing that was a Goliath to me was like, it's, it's a knowing in the spirit. It's like, 
You're, you're a complete lie. I can't, I can't believe that anymore. And so I experienced this love that, that set me free. And I found God. Like, I was like, I felt like, man, I found the back door. Like, I wasn't going to church. I wasn't doing anything anybody told me to do at church. I wasn't doing anything. These books I read, these self-helps, I had gone to all the deliverance. I didn't do any of the things. I didn't renounce, you know, by family's history of masonry, which I've renounced, you know, how many times? <laughs> A million times, right? But it wasn't that that did anything. It wasn't any of, you know, prayers. I found a back door of love, like, oh my gosh, God is love. <laughs> I found God, like not even knowing how to find him. And so it brought me a lot of stability. And all of a sudden, I started like sensing his presence. I started feeling him again. I started getting revelation. I started reading the book and it just came alive. And began to seek him and had a lot of encounters. Like this encounter about identity that hit me. And, you know, this, after this one encounter on identity, which happened 2010, I mean, I felt his presence shaking for 18 months off of one encounter. I had to be careful to not think about the encounter because it was so powerful. I didn't even know that stuff existed. I didn't know I could feel God for so many years, 10 years of my journey. And then it's like all the time. And, um, but it was rooted in love. It was rooted and grounded in love. And I've veered from it and I have maybe caught, caught up in identity. I've got caught up in seeking an experience. I've got caught up in all the blessings and the benefits. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is really calling me back and I call it, and I'm like, I know he's calling the church. It's time for us to return to the simplicity of walking this out. Simplicity of walking out love. We have, all of us have like this, like, you know, a seed maybe of, of identity of who we are. We've caught glimpses. We've been liberated from that truth, by that truth. It's a relief. It's a rest. It's really nice. Um, but there's so much more to experience, but I believe it's only going to come as we walk out love. Like there's no other way. Um, I've been, you know, asking the Lord to help me now every day for three months. Help me love. I just want to know how to love. And I've been experiencing some really wonderful things. Some of it is like overwhelmed tears with love for humanity going into a store and just crying. It's real easy to share about Jesus when you're feeling burning love for people. I didn't know I could have. I didn't know. The Holy Spirit said, well, I'm going to help you love. You can't do, we cannot do this without him. There is no way. But he wants to put such compassion in us for people. It, love is the greatest motivator. Landing this plane right now. Love is the greatest motivator. All the other motivations, all the other whys will eventually like meet their limit of your sacrifice. But the love knows no limit. It will go on and forever. It will go to the cross. <laughs> and love is the motivator. And grace, God's grace empowers us to do work, to make money for our family. It empowers us to do all kinds of stuff, to, to profit, to prophesy, actually benefit other people. <laughs> We're not doing it out of love. His grace does come upon us and there's anointings and gifts that we have. Um, 
But the but he but his grace really wants to fully back a people who are like, we want to love. We want to figure out how to love. He wants to back a life that's like, here I am to love, Lord. At the end of my journey, I want to be known as somebody who learned how to love. Somebody who actually could love. And when I think about for my kids, like what can I pass off to my kids? I can motivate them with treats. It's amazing how quickly they will clean their room. (laughs) Benefits, it's amazing. But if I could teach them how to, like, for love. My son loves to say, I love you a million times more than you love me, Daddy. What is love, son? (laughs) Um, Last few verses here, and then I'll close. First John three eighteen through twenty three. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And this is how you will know you're of the truth, and assure your hearts before before Him. For if your heart condemns us, God is greater than your heart; He knows all things. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, you have confidence towards God. Whatever you ask, you receive of him because you keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You know, there, there's so much freedom from condemnation, guilt, shame, fear, because through identity. But this verse is also the combination of walking that out. When you love, you begin to know you're in the truth. And you assure your hearts before him. We keep his commandments, do those things that are pleasing in his sight. It's all broken down like anything he would ask us to do. Anything he would ask us to do is love. Anything, wherever he is leading us is for love. It's like if we follow him and have that mentality, it may take us some crazy places, but it's, who cares if people think it's radical, wild, or crazy? It's just love. We're not trying. I'm not trying to be radical. I used to be so afraid. People were like, oh man, you're such a radical. You're fanatic. And I'd be like, oh, I hate being told I'm radical and fanatic. I just want to be normal. But now I'm like, I just want to love people. And if I happen to look radical and fanatic, okay, you can call me radical fanatic. I just want to love. And then Ephesians, last one, Ephesians 3, 17. This is uh, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height and to know the love of Christ. I believe there's just like only so far we can go in knowing Christ without being rooted and grounded in love. And it's like a community, it's a people. That's what he's talking about. Like we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled 
with all the fullness of God. (laughs) That's walking like Jesus. So, um, let's close this in prayer. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Father, I thank you for your love for us and your mercy. Sometimes I feel like I have been so radically blessed. It's unfair. And yet I've so often squandered and wasted the blessings on myself for my own comfort or my own promotion. But you're still merciful. You love your church. You believe in her. She will walk in radical love. She will look like Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus, of a pure, spotless bride. You're worthy of a people (laughs) who just simply want to love that they look like you. They turn the other cheek. They give everything they have for the gospel. (laughs) They seek not their own. You're worthy of a people unashamed of you. You're worthy, Jesus, of the people. Who look like you, who represent you, who carry your name well. We cannot do this without you, God. And I ask, Holy Ghost, you teach us how to partner with you. You're so hungry to touch humanity. You're so hungry to love people through us. I just want you to go free. Holy Ghost, you would go free in our lives. You would go free. You could be yourself through us. Help us love. Help us love our families, our spouses. Help us love our coworkers. Help us love this city. You have a destiny for your church to walk in love. You have a destiny for this city to learn how to love. We have a purpose. We have a calling. There's a reason. There's a motivator worth living for. Help us.